it's a story everybody knows. Jonah gets swallowed up by the whale. The trouble is the story is in danger of getting swallowed up by the whale. And there is so much more to it than that. Jonah was given an assignment from God, an assignment he really didn't want. So he gets on a ship going the opposite direction. A great storm comes. Everyone knows it's Jonah's fault. He gets tossed overboard, swallowed by a great fish, and spends three days in its belly until he's vomited up on shore. You know, if God decides you're going to do something, you might just as well do it because God's not about to let you off the hook. And that certainly was Jonah's experience. In the most grudging way possible, he finally agrees to go to Nineveh, where it seems he is successful in ways that would incite envy in every preacher. One sentence, one utterance, and the Ninevites from the king on down all repent and turn to God. Wow. Well, Jonah, reluctant prophet, sent against his will to a people he detested, had preached a begrudged warning, and it had been heard. Nineveh, that great city, had repented all the threats of punishment and vengeance which had so delighted Jonah were not going to happen. And Jonah is madder than a cat caught in a rainstorm. God, how could you do that? We are the chosen people and they are the pagans. Outsiders, not like us. They don't think like us. What do you mean good things can happen to bad people? There's a very deep arrogance in Jonah and one that he just hangs on to with a vengeance. Do you ever feel that way about someone? Some group of people? Why does it work for them and not for me? Clearly, I am more deserving. Leslie Allen writes, a Jonah lurks in every Christian heart, whimpering his insidious message of smug prejudice, empty traditionalism, and exclusive identity. Ouch. Yet deep inside, we all know there is some truth in that. And you know, it's really telling that Jonah's all alone in his booth. That kind of arrogance begins to separate us from other people. And there is something even more dangerous that threatens to devour Jonah. Because once again, he's swallowed up alive, this time by his great consuming rage. How could you do that, God? How could you let them off the hook? How could you not give them what they deserve? And Jonah, thoroughly disgusted with a God of mercy and of grace, would rather die than share in the repentance. The poet Thomas John Carlyle puts it this way. By heart he had learned with what heart he had, devotedly and meticulously the eternal words. He could recite them without even thinking, religiously exact and letter perfect. Gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, repenting of evil. And now the blow. God genuinely meant it, word for word. What a pity. We've just celebrated Martin Luther King Day, so it's worth remembering and thinking about some of King's own insights. 
Nonviolence was, of course, King's weapon against deeply entrenched prejudice and bigotry. And when you see the photos of people grinding out their cigarettes on the backs of young people sitting at those lunch counters, you wonder how they could stand it. What the Reverend Dr. King knew was that as part of their training, as part of getting ready for the protests, the participants first had to cleanse their own hearts from hatred and anger. Nonviolence is not just restraining our own urge to do harm. It begins with conversion, the conversion of those practicing nonviolence. And Dr. King knew that they could not change the hearts of others unless they first changed their own hearts. And that's where Jonah is stuck because this anger consumes him, it swallows up its compassion, it devours his very relationship to God. And there he sits under his bush all alone, nursing his anger, rehearsing all the reasons why saving the Ninevites is wrong, why they don't deserve God's attention, and why God is going about it all wrong. But you know, fortunately for Jonah, God doesn't leave him there. Rather than get angry at Jonah, God reaches out to him. Would you like a little shade, Jonah? Here's a bush. You don't have to bake in the sun. And how Jonah loves that bush. It brings blessed shade and coolness. And then the bush dies. And Jonah is so thoroughly disgusted, he's ready to die. And then God nails him. You feel sorry for a bush? Why not the people of Nineveh? You know, we really don't know what happened to Jonah after all this. Did he stay angry, alone, or did he get over it? Choose either ending. How would you write it? How would you tell the story of Jonah after this event? You know, there are times in our lives when each one of us has to make that choice. Do I stay angry or do I get past it? And many of you know from your own experience that getting over it is not easy. And it's been part of what I've watched happen with some of you this year as you've struggled with that. And I really admire the people who are able to put it down and get past it. Getting past our anger means being a lot more honest with ourselves than most of us want to be. We have to look at what we bring to that estrangement. And we have to stop seeing the others as the enemy. At the mission study lunch last week, we took some time to reflect on the events of the past few years and what we've learned from it. And one voice said, we don't know how to apologize and take accountability for our words and actions. How do you apologize? And how do you swallow your pride and become so terribly vulnerable? Another voice said, we're not alike in our thinking, but we're alike in our seeking. I like that. When we seek God, then we begin to get out of our booth in the desert. We're not sitting all alone sulking. Instead, we find ourselves moving forward with others who are willing to share that journey with us. Faith that is willing to risk obedience to God instead of running away demands that we stretch beyond our comfort zone. 
That's the challenge that lies particularly today before those of you who are being ordained and installed as officers in this congregation. Are you willing to help us move ahead in our journey of faith with this loving, challenging, and sometimes unpredictable God? Carlyle's poem ends, Gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. What a pity. Or what a joy. Amen.